You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 121. Today's reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 27 through 31, and chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Brethren, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, then healers, helpers, administrators, speakers in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Today's reading begins toward the end of Paul, describing the various roles in the church and their importance in working together as one body. Would you back up a little bit from today's reading and provide some context and further discuss what Paul is addressing here, Father? Yeah, I always appreciate the opportunity to provide context. And really to do that appropriately in this circumstance, we can go all the way back to the very beginning of this first epistle to the Corinthians. It's quite clear in reading this epistle that there was a lot of division going on in the church at Corinth during Paul's time. And so a constant theme throughout this entire epistle is to call the Corinthians to unity. And this begins in the very first chapter of this epistle in verses 10 through 13. Again, in that first chapter, Paul writes, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And of course, Paul's conclusion is that we should be united in the name and under the teaching of Christ Jesus, and that while we each may recognize an individual as someone that we connect with more than others, or someone we may want to emulate more than others, that we do not do this to the exclusion of our fellow brethren. And in short, then, uh, that we do not separate into tribes and lose sight of the centrality of our faith, which is, of course, the sacrificial death and resurrection of our Savior. Good, good. Very helpful points there, Father, about today's reading being connected to the very beginning of Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians. And it seems as though there is also some connection to passages later in that epistle 
right before we pick up today's reading toward the end of chapter 12. Can you speak about that as well? Yeah, if you look at at chapter 11, Paul instructing the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper, as he himself calls it. Today we also speak about the Lord's Supper, but also refer to it commonly as the Eucharist or Holy Communion. And while these terms have different precise meanings for our purposes today, they have roughly the same meaning and refer to uh, the Christian community coming together as a body in each local place to commemorate the Lord's death and resurrection and to receive Holy Communion. So in chapter 11, Paul is talking about how inappropriate it is for the Corinthians to be doing certain things at this gathering. Number one, he refers to what we just mentioned about this issue with the Corinthians in chapter 1, that when they come together, there were divisions among them. Uh, Furthermore, Paul later comments that the gathering is disorderly, this gathering at the Lord's Supper, and it appears that some people are cutting ahead of others and that the Corinthians are not properly attending to the needy in their community first. So it's within that context that Paul then moves into chapter 12, where we picked up in the, at the reading that you had at the beginning of today's episode. So as a, as a reminder, the passage we read today from chapter 12 discusses how we collectively are the body of Christ and then how we're members individually. And it also mentions that there's a certain hierarchy of gifts that God has appointed. Can you talk about that more, Father? Yeah, moving into chapter 12, Paul starts to speak about spiritual gifts, and he notes that these gifts are just that, gifts, meaning that they're given by God. In other words, what he's stressing is that all glory should ultimately be given to God for these spiritual gifts. While we might rightly honor and respect a person to whom a gift has been given, We should not worship them or praise them because it it is God who has given that gift. So the worship and praise is due to God. And Paul expresses how it is the same Spirit of God who gives one type of gift to one person and another type of gift to others. And, And again, in the end then, all the praise is due to God and we should not divide ourselves by allegiance to this person or that person. Our allegiance is to the one God who gives to all as he himself sees fit. And, and so having established this, Paul uses some beautiful and, and actually simple analogies. He compares the body of Christ, the church community, to the physical body of a human being. He says that a human body needs many different parts to function. You need eyes, you need ears, you need feet, and so forth. And we cannot say that the eye is somehow better than the foot. There's no better or worse with the body. They're just merely each part has different functions. The foot can't do what the eye does and vice versa. But both are needed for the human body to function properly. And then Paul concludes by noting the same is true with the body of Christ with the church community. While each member may have a different function, no member is, quote, better or worse than the other. We merely have different functions, but all of those are needed for the body, for the church community to function as a whole. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you said about this being a beautiful analogy. I think it really shows how in the church community, we all have a purpose and a place. We all have a role and a function to serve. And it's a humbling approach because for those whose role is perhaps more public or prominent. It reminds us that, as you said, our only our, our role only exists because of God's gift to us, not because of our own works or our own righteousness. And in addition to that, it's humbling because it teaches us that those whose role is not as prominent are just as valuable, and God has also appointed them 
to that role. So we should respect them and appreciate them equally. Yeah, exactly. That's what Paul's doing. He's establishing a community where respect and dignity is provided to all, no matter how lowly or weak a member might seem. And he's put it all under the gift and power of God to whom alone is due all glory and honor. And as with the rest of Scripture, it just demolishes these human ideas that all societies seem to have of some type of a caste system of people uh, being elites and, and so on and so forth. It puts us all on a level playing field and puts us all under the care and the protection and judgment of God alone. All right, so moving on to the second half of our reading today, we get into chapter 13 that leads into the verses, quote, Love is patient, love is kind. And those are probably the most widely used in wedding services today. And, of course, by that I I primarily mean in Protestant or Roman Catholic churches. This is not a reading that is used in the Orthodox wedding service. So would you comment on chapter 13 here, Father, what Paul is speaking about regarding love? I think that most of us only think of one meaning of the word love, but... My understanding is that there are, in fact, three meanings of the word love that are commonly used in Scripture. Yeah, that's correct, Jason. Let me just briefly touch on the first two, and then we can discuss the type of love Paul is mentioning here in chapter 13 in a little more detail. Uh, So the first type of love is philia, and this type of love refers primarily to the affection that we have in friendships. You think about the city of Philadelphia. It gets its name from this philia, and it means brotherly love. So the second type of love comes from the Greek eros, and this is where we get the English word erotic. It speaks to the love of husband and wife and is often used to speak about sexual passion. Uh, Now the third type of love is considered to be the highest form of love, and that is agape. Agape love is the type of love that God has for us, and it's the word Paul uses here in chapter 13 that is translated as love, and of course it is also the love that the husband and the wife should strive to in a Christian marriage beyond uh, just the eros. In any case, uh, elsewhere Paul talks about this agape love that God has for us, and he describes it using the Greek word kenosis, and kenosis means self-emptying or self-sacrificial. So agape can be described as a kenotic love, a self-emptying love. And again, this, this is the type of love that God has for us. And since God, of course, is our model, since we've been made in his image and likeness and have the ability to transcend our biological impulses, we have the ability to show agape love, to show self-emptying love. So when Paul is speaking about love here, that is the type of love that he's referencing. Father, we're getting to the end of our time for today, but I'd, I'd like to conclude with you commenting on Paul, if you would, uh, teaching us here that, quote, the most excellent way, uh, unquote, is the way of love. What can you leave us with today as it relates to Paul saying this? Yeah, definitely, I think, a good way to end. It's really simple, too. Uh, what Paul states here in the 13th chapter is that if we use the spiritual gifts that God has given us and we use them Without that agape love, without that self-emptying love, then we are misusing them and therefore wasting God's gift. And the reason for that, he makes pretty simple to understand. God's greatest gift to us is his love. So using any gift that God gives us without love is to ultimately take away that glory that belongs only to God. It would bring glory to us if we're not using that self-emptying love. And that ultimately 
then leads to division in the body of Christ. And when we are the cause of that, then what Paul warns of in chapter 11 with the Lord's Supper happens to us. The divisions he mentions in chapter 1, it happens in our communities. And so he says that when we come together to eat the Lord's Supper in this divisive manner without agape, self-emptying love, then we ultimately heap judgment upon ourselves. Thank you, Father. In discussing today's reading from 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13, Father Aaron began by stepping back to the beginning of the epistle where St. Paul addresses the division in the church in Corinth and the separation of the people into various tribes who had an allegiance to a particular individual. Here and throughout this epistle, Paul calls on the Corinthians to move away from this practice and be united under the teaching of Christ. We then move to chapter 12 where Paul speaks about spiritual gifts and emphasizes that these gifts are from God, and as such, all glory should be given to him alone. Paul then goes on to use the analogy of the physical body to the body of Christ. We cannot say that one part is more important than another. All are needed for the proper function of both our physical bodies and that of the church. And in the same way, while some roles are naturally more public or prominent than others, all should be respected and appreciated equally. We then concluded with chapter 13 and Paul's well-known verses on love. Father then mentioned the three types of love, but focused on agape, as this is what Paul uses in his letter. Agape is the type of love that God has for us. It is love in its highest form, and this love is self-emptying or self-sacrificial. And so we must use our spiritual gifts that were given by God along with that self-sacrificing love, which ultimately brings glory to God. For to do so without agape love is to bring judgment upon ourselves. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to thee, O God. Oh.